Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. Nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and this week we're going to uh, make a fun dish. Hopefully we'll try to make the internet angry at us. <laughs> uh, it was only a matter of time before uh, eventually we'd get to making pasta carbonara. We'll talk a little bit about that. But if you look in the show notes, I'll have a link to the Imager album. There will be a couple of special ingredients that we'll have links to um, for this recipe. And we'll also have at least one link to equipment because there is equipment that will be used for this. So I like every once in a while, every once in a while. I like to make something where you can kind of like alter the recipe a little bit to fit it in with either a play on words, like with the what you're calling the recipe, or like a double entendre or something like that with the name of the dish. For example, a really good one, if you have like um, Cornish hens and you, you cook them like, uh, what is it called, airline breast style, you know, with the breast and the wing connected, and you you dress that with like a light a light salad of arugula and radicchio and like a a balsamic uh, vinegar dressing and then dress that with some uh, poached pears and call it, you know, partridge and a pear tree. Even though it's not a partridge, it's a Cornish hen, you could use an actual partridge. But the point is, is that it's fun. And it's like, oh, I see what you did there, right? That's what I did with this recipe here. Because, you know, carbonara, for some reason, you get a couple you get a couple recipes that get like this cult following online. And everybody's seen the same clip from, I don't know, some, some like morning talk show where an Italian chef comes on to make carbonara. And it's one of those things where they have this little fake kitchen set up. They cook for five minutes. They take one bite and then they go to commercial or whatever. They basically just make a big mess and talk about food for a little bit. And the the whole underlying thing here is that carbonara is, it's a very simple set of ingredients. You know, it's a pasta, it's salt, pepper, uh, Parmesan, eggs, pasta water, like that's it. Or in guanciale or bacon, pork belly pancetta, something like that. And if you deviate from that recipe, then you may have made something that's good, but it's no longer carbonara. You know what I mean? So on this clip that everybody and their mother has seen, the guy's talking through the recipe, making the carbonara. And I, and one of the hosts, the, a woman says something like, oh, I like to put peas in mine. And he says, well, you know, if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. Basically saying that, okay, that's cool, but it's not carbonara at the point that you put peas in it. So it might be good, but it, it you're calling it something that it no longer is. Okay. All right. And I understand. I understand that perspective. What I don't understand is uh, the, the lesions of flying monkeys that come out of the woodwork <laughs> anytime anybody posts a picture or a recipe, a video or something of carbonara. And oh, God forbid, if there's, if there's a little bit of parsley on there, if there's a single pea, if there's anything, if there's anything short of the canonical ingredients, everybody's like, oh, if my, if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. It's like, come on, dude. We get it. We understand. Here's the thing. Carbonara, it's not like this. It's not like it has a 500-year history behind it. You know, you're not like in, insulting the gods of the kitchen 
by adding peas to your carbonara. Pasta carbonara was invented in the 20th century. Like the guy who made it the first time probably had a photo ID. So it's not, it's not like we've got, you know, from time immemorial, this recipe handed down by the gods. Anyway, I find it amusing. So I'm, I'm purposefully and specifically riffing on the recipe just because it's so egregious that you can't, I mean, you can't. <laughs> Anytime you think somebody, oh, there's no way they won't get the joke. The, the, they definitely won't get it. So what we're doing is we're going to use uh, cuttlefish ink in the pasta itself. And then cuttlefish ink will be added into the into the eggs and the egg yolk and the egg mixture that goes into you know the hot pasta at the end to make everything a shiny, viscous black so that we can call the dish pasta carbon noir. Noir, like film noir of being dark and moody and blackness. So it's uh, pasta carbon noir, and it uh, is very striking. It was, it tasted great, had all the right flavors and everything. It worked out nicely. So we'll see, we'll see what the reaction is with this. All right, so uh, definitely check out the show notes for links. We'll have at least to like, uh, what was it, semolina flour and the cuttlefish ink. We'll have links to the the pasta rolling uh, system that I use with my KitchenAid stand mixer. And uh, who knows, there might even be, oh, you know what? Because I'm going to have a bonus recipe in, in this one. Since we made the black pasta with the black sauce, um, I also made a blackish ice cream, more of like a gray or charcoal colored ice cream with these uh, wonderful little snow white meringue cookies that go on top. So we'll, we'll detail that as well. So I might as well put a link to like the ice cream maker that I used in that one right all right so let's talk about pasta carbonara and if you you know if you want to skip the cuttlefish ink if you just want to make carbonara you definitely can do that i mean this is basically like the canonical recipe and then just adding the squid ink or the cuttlefish ink as kind of a gimmick you can just omit that and do everything else the same way if you're going to use store-bought store-bought pasta Usually you use like a, a spaghetti or spaghetti rigatti or something like that. Because I made pasta myself and I'm using a pasta machine, essentially that is a, a roller style machine. Um, I basically used a fettuccine style noodle. And the reason for that is you have different mechanical ways of making pasta. And a really common one is the roller. This is where you're, ro you're passing your dough through this roller system that gets progressively narrower as you move on. And then at the end, whenever you want the actual shape of your finished pasta, you can either run it through the quote unquote spaghetti cutter or the fettuccine cutter, um, which is still going to roll it, but it's going to roll it with um, uh, depressions in the rollers to make either a spaghetti shaped noodle or a fettuccine uh, shaped noodle. When you do the rolled pasta like that, the spaghetti shape is still it's, it, it's still just a very narrow ribbon which makes it fairly uh delicate okay a different class of of, of pasta machine is one that extrudes the pasta where you put the dough in and like a play-doh fun factory it presses the dough out through a form and in this way you can get more of a dimensional spaghetti noodle you can get either a, a round spaghetti or a spaghetti rigatti with the with the ridges along it those would 
hold up a little bit better to the manipulation that you have to do. Like you're you're kind of vigorously tossing the pasta in the sauce at the end. So you don't want something too delicate that's going to get all ripped up. So that's why I went with the larger noodle there. Then I'm sure, you know, somebody will have something to say about that. It's like, oh, what are you using this big flat noodle for? It's well, because if I do the narrow one, uh, I just have uh, pasta confetti. And that would be not as fun as having actual ribbons of pasta. So, you know, if you're using a store-bought pasta, you use, you know, your more traditional spaghetti noodle. If you have an extruder style pasta maker, then, you know, do whatever you want to do. Because I was doing it in the roller style, I went with uh, the fettuccine uh, noodle there. Okay. Basic recipe for making the pasta. And pasta is super simple. It just, it kind of requires just a little bit of patience and uh, a willingness to like take your time. And if you have to run it through a roller multiple times, if you, if you need to Fold it in half and start over again. You have to be willing to do that. So give yourself the time to do it. But basically equal parts, all-purpose flour and semolina flour. Um, there will be different recipes. Some will say like, a, 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 you know, a one part semolina, the three parts all-purpose. Some will, you know, have maybe that ratio inverted. I don't know. Um, I went with two cups of all-purpose flour, two, cu uh, two cups of semolina flour, and five eggs. This makes uh, an enormous amount of pasta dough. You know, if you if you cut this recipe in half, you would still end up with more than what I actually used for making the entree. Um, but I have you know two big balls of dough in the fridge that I can make some black pasta later this week. But yeah, so equal parts semolina and all-purpose. In this case, I went two cups of all-purpose, two cups of semolina, five eggs, a dash of salt. And I think two tablespoons of olive oil. What you do is you sift your flour and your salt together so it's kind of mixed and, and incorporated. Get it into either a large bowl or on your countertop and make sort of a, a mound, a mountain. And then hollow out a little volcano caldera in the top of your flour mountain. And that's where your eggs are going to go. Now I cracked all five of my eggs into a bowl and I added the cuttlefish ink to the eggs and then dump that into my flour volcano. And then with your fork, just sort of start gently scrambling the eggs and mixing them into the flour. And then you can take the fork out, out into the mountain and pull the flour in. And you just keep mixing and mixing and mixing. Eventually, uh, that's going to bog down to the point where using the fork is not going to be practical anymore. And at that point, you can get your hands in there and start working the dough and folding it and kneading it. And then if you're if you're doing it in a bowl, taking it out onto a board so you can push it and knead it and fold it and push it, knead it, fold it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. If you are going to use squid ink or cuttlefish ink or whatever, it will get all over your hands with the flour, but it won't stain your skin. It, it is kind of oily, so it's uh, difficult to wash off, but you just have to have hot water with some, some dish soap or something like that that's really gonna cut through that and then kind of vigorously wash your hands and scrape that that sludge off of your skin. Once your dough kind of comes together into a smooth ball, wrap it up in some um, uh, saran wrap and let that sit for 15, 20, 25 minutes at room temperature while you get some other things together. On the 
sort of sauce and accoutrement side of your carbonara. Traditionally, you'll use guanciale, which is a cured pig jowl, you know, dry cured pig jowl, like a pancetta that'll be cooked. Big sad, I don't have any guanciale right now, so I just use some homemade bacon in lieu of that. But hopefully I'll have some piggies this year on the farm, so this time next year I'll have some legit guanciale. But I cut the bacon into lardons and then... Uh, cook them over medium to medium high heat in an enameled Dutch oven, you know, something heavy bottom so this can cook and brown off a little bit. If it produces a lot of rendered fat, like to the point where it's like, oh boy, there's a big puddle of fat in there and just like a little bit of meat left. You can drain some of that off. This did not produce a prodigious amount of bacon grease essentially in the, in the Dutch oven. So I just cut that heat down to like simmer to keep it warm while we proceeded through making all the other aspects of the dish. After our 15-20 minutes rest time on that dough has elapsed, what we want to do is kind of, I quartered it, I cut it into quarters because it was a very large dough ball, and then one of those quarters I rolled out into a rough, you know, rounded rectangle, and then you start passing it through the flat roller attachment on your, on your pasta machine here. By roller, I believe it has eight steps. Start, starts at number one, there's a big jump to number two, and then there's like a proportionate jump through, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Because I wanted to keep the pasta thick and, and robust so that it could stand up to the tossing at the end, I only rolled it down to level six before switching off to the, uh, to the fettuccine cutter and cutting those into uh, the final shape of the pasta. And then just with a little bit of regular all-purpose flour in a big mixing bowl, as I cut that pasta, I moved it in there and tossed it in the flour so that it would keep it a little bit separated so it doesn't kind of all stick back together into a into a ball. And then once, once all the, the pasta is cut and it's sitting in the flour, that can sit aside for a little while. At this point, our bacon is getting almost done and it's it's hot and bubbling away so i crack what did i do i did uh, four or five eggs into a bowl added the cuttlefish ink added uh roughly two ounces of parmesan cheese and mix that up and what you want to do is is if you weren't using the cuttlefish ink you would mix that until it was basically a smooth yellow liquid like you you don't want to have any uh remnants of the egg whites in there because i mean this i'm just using the the yolks like i separated the the whites from the yolks and then mix that up get that near your stovetop because you need to there's like a process for for once you cook your pasta in your heavily salted water you bring that to a boil you get your pasta in there now with the homemade pasta you're looking at like four or five minutes for it to be fully cooked. If you're using a store-bought pasta, a dry box pasta, usually your cooking time is about 11 minutes. But the idea is that you make this really salty water. It's supposed to be, you know, have the saltiness of seawater. So what, roughly a 3% concentration of kosher salt into your pasta water. When the pasta is almost done, take about a quarter cup of that hot pasta water and whisk it into your egg mixture. This will temper the eggs. It'll start the cooking process. It'll thin out uh, a little bit of the egg. It'll melt some of the uh, Parmesan cheese that's in there, and it will dilute the squid ink and get everything nice and viscous and, and, and ready to roll. Strain your pasta and then move it directly into the 
the the warm Dutch oven, the cooked pork, whether it's guanciale, pancetta, or bacon, and then give that a toss. Get it coated with the with the with the bacon grease. Get the little bits of cooked pork all sort of distributed throughout the pasta, and then. Um, you want everything to be hot. You want to be working, not hot, like, you know, ripping hot, but, you know, hot enough that it's going to continue to cook and temper the egg while not being so hot that it's going to make scrambled eggs <laughs> and then drizzle that egg and cheese mixture into your hot pasta while tossing, folding, moving, agitating, you know, doing all the things so that the noodles are evenly coated with your egg mixture and at that point you have carbonara it is wonderful it's delicious you know it's it's black pepper uh we don't even need any salt aside from the pasta water the salt that's in the bacon the little bit of saltiness that's in the squid ink or the, the cuttlefish ink and certainly the salt that's in the parmesan cheese so you don't need any you know added salt to that and it's just egg pasta uh the cooked pork black pepper pasta water, bingo, bango. It's delicious. Okay. Now, since we used just the egg yolks for the carbonara or the carbon noir, as we're calling it, we have these egg whites left over. So we get three or four egg whites, just like an eighth of a teaspoon of uh, cream of tartare. And I think about three quarters of a cup of, of granulated sugar. And with your hand mixer, you, you you beat the the eggs in the cream of tartare until they get nice and foamy, and then add the sugar about a tablespoon at a time every 15 to 20 seconds while you're whisking this. Your egg whites will become glossy and opaque. They'll become white. They'll look like packing peanuts or, or marshmallow fluff. I mean, this is meringue. It's delicious. You beat that until you get to stiff peaks where you can pull your beaters out of the meringue and the peaks stand up beautifully and they're nice and shiny and, and, and wonderful looking. I spoon that into a piping bag with, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the tips are called. It was a wide tip that had a bunch of little, um, ruffles ridges on it so that I could, I could squeeze them out into these nice little kind of non-parel shapes into a 200 degree oven for 45 minutes. And then after 45 minutes, you just turn the heat off and leave them in there for another 30 minutes. It's like, it's kind of like it dehydrates or, or dries the meringues more than it cooks them, even though there is some cooking that goes on, but whenever they come out, they're going to be like light and it's going to be like a, like a crispy cloud, you know, they are rigid and have like a styrofoam sort of texture to them, but then they melt very readily in the mouth. So we make those, set those aside. And then we made some gray ice cream using heavy cream, milk, sugar, a little bit of cuttlefish ink. We, we, we left out the salt because there is some salt in the, in the cuttlefish ink. Um, we used maple syrup as a flavoring because we are in maple syrup season here at Tabard Farm. We've got tons of maple syrup, so I'm using it in everything. And, uh, and then a little bit of activated charcoal, which I'll try to remember to put a link to that in there. Also, it's perfectly edible. It just adds a, a more consistent, smooth uh, black or gray coloration without having to use an inordinate amount of the cuttlefish ink because that can get a little briny and fishy tasting if you use too high of a concentration. Um, 
but that was wonderful. Pour that into the ice cream maker, uh, spins around for 20 minutes, and then we put it in the freezer until after dinner, and that turned out wonderful. We had a nice, nice gray scoop of ice cream with a snow white meringue cookie on top, following our glossy black pasta carbonoir. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so your your canonical carbonara, just omit the cuttlefish ink, and you can follow the same recipe and process, and it'll be fantastic. Very simple, very uh, decad decadent and luxurious tasting and feeling in the mouth, and it's always, uh, it's always really satisfying to make your own pasta um, for a dish like this. So uh, check it out. Thank you for uh, tuning in. I hope you enjoy this one and we'll talk to you guys next week.